With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hi, and welcome to the Saturday, November 25th, 2023 Rivalry Edition of the Land Grant Tailgate Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tamanini. For the fifth straight year, every Ohio State football game day this season, I will be kicking off your morning with all of the details that you need to be prepared for that day's contest, whether you are watching from your couch, at a sports bar, or if you are cheering on the Buckeyes from inside the stadium. And if you are inside the stadium for this one, be safe, because I am worried that that might be a fairly contentious environment for anybody wearing scarlet and gray today. But this afternoon at 12.14 p.m. Eastern Time, in the house that some people refer to as big, the number 2 and 11-0 Ohio State Buckeyes, coached by Ryan Day, still not indicted on federal RICO charges, will take on the number 3 and also 11-0 Michigan Wolverines, the only time I will mention them by name today, coached by Jim Harbaugh. Oh, strike that. For the third straight game, Ohio State's rivals will be coached by Sharon Moore, due to Jimbo Harbizzle's second three-game suspension of the season. As this is the biggest game of the entire year, the matchup will be Fox's big noon game of the week, meaning that on the call will be Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt will provide color commentary, and on the sideline will be the All-American woman, Jenny Taft. Fox's big noon kickoff pregame show will also be on hand, meaning that Rob Stone, Mark Ingram, Matt Leinert, Columbus native Brady Quinn, and former Ohio State coach Urban Meyer will be in Ann Arbor for the pregame action, kicking off at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. But 
not to be outdone, ESPN's College Game Day with the blue-eyed Buckeye Kirk Herbstreet, Reese Davis, Lee Corso, Pat McAfee, and he who will not be named will also be in town. That show will air on ESPN from 9 a.m. until probably afternoon Eastern time because they have not seemed very interested this season about getting you out at noon to make sure that you have the opportunity to see the kickoff for the 12 p.m. games. Now, all that being said, you would literally have to pay me to get me to watch either of those garbage pregame shows. Fortunately, there are other options, including all of the pregame festivities on the Ohio State Radio Network. And as always, the game itself can be heard on 97.1 FM in Central Ohio and on dozens of affiliates around the state, where the best in the business, the voice of the Buckeyes, Paul Keels, will be on the call, along with Ohio State and NFL legend Jim Lachey supplying color commentary, and Matt Andrews will be on the sideline. The forecast calls for a chilly late November afternoon in Ann Arbor. At kickoff, it'll be 35 degrees under cloudy skies. Temperatures will stay essentially steady throughout the contest, and there is currently not expected to be any chance of precipitation during the duration of the game. Winds will be around 5 miles per hour coming out of the southwest. Now, before we get into the normal rankings, odds, and analytics that normally comprise the bulk of this podcast, I did think it was important to frame what exactly was at stake for both sides in this game. Obviously, from a purely 2023 perspective, the winner of the matchup will be the final Big Ten East champion and will represent the division in the Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis next week. Of course, they will be heavily favored to win the conference title over Iowa, and should they win, will be no worse than number two in the college football playoff when seeds are announced a week from tomorrow. However, there is far more on the line than just that. If the Corn and Blue win the game, it would mean that Ohio State's 2020 recruiting class would have gone four years without beating their rivals. Obviously, those players still have the opportunity to come back for at least one more year if they are eligible for it. But when it comes to students who started their collegiate careers in 2020, they would never have seen an Ohio State victory in the game should that happen. For the head coaches, Ryan Day absolutely has to win this game in order to fend off fans and boosters unhappy with his inability to win big games. Well, I don't think that there's really any chance that Gene Smith, especially as he is getting ready to retire this coming summer, would fire Ryan Day after this year. If he were to go in to the 2024 season with three straight losses to his rival, I think the seat would be at least warm and would be bordering on Dante's Inferno levels of hot should they lose again next year. There is obviously a tremendous amount of animosity between Day and Harbaugh that came part of the public discussion in 2021 when Jimbo implied that Day wasn't a really good coach, but instead was, quote, born on third base by lucking into the job in Columbus. With a win today, the Ohio State head coach can completely erase that narrative by essentially asserting whether he actually says it or not, and I do think that Ryan Day will have some sort of barb ready for the post-game interview should he win. But he can essentially say that the only way that the team up north has been able to beat him is by cheating. And while Harbizzle won't actually be in the big house today, he obviously wants to prove that his program is the best in the conference and that sign-stealing had nothing to do with her recent rise to Big Ten dominance and ascension to national relevancy. However, despite those desires, this very well might be the final time that a team ostensibly coached by Jim Harbaugh will play a home game, either because he finally does what he's been trying to do for years and jumps back to the NFL, or because the threat of multiple looming NCAA violations necessitates his exit from his alma mater. 
Additionally, with the elimination of the Big Ten's divisional lineup after this season, we very well could see back-to-back matchups between these rivals beginning next season. And with the move to a 12-team playoff next year, the importance of such games could be diminished. While they would obviously still impact buys and seeding, a team, preferably the one from Ann Arbor, which reports do indicate is a whore, could lose both and still make the CFP. So this game is very much an end of an era. While I certainly don't anticipate that these changes will dampen the fervor from both sides of this rivalry, it absolutely does change the context in which these games are played. But in terms of stakes for this game, most importantly for some of you listening, the game not only provides bragging rights for the next calendar year for one fan base, but will also provide validation for increasingly insane online rhetoric, no matter which side wins. Although I will admit, while Buckeye Nation rarely has to take a backseat to anyone in terms of unhinged social media and message board performances, the Looney Tunes conspiracy theories and history rewriting fan fiction coming from that state up north have been next level over the past month. And while I don't think that the future will prove any of their takes correct, whether it is on RICO charges coming for Ryan Day and his family, coordinated hit jobs from the Big Ten and NCAA because of Harbaugh's vocal support of paying players, or whatever else the deep recesses of MGO blog comes up with, if their team wins this afternoon, they will be able to cling to the talking points that OSU is soft and that their team's sign stealing, which no one connected to the school or program has yet denied, wasn't the reason for its recent ascendance in the Big Ten and on the national stage. The amount of hate between the most vocal members of these two fan bases has always been uncomfortably high, but over the past month, the intensity between the two camps seems to have only intensified. With tinfoil hat conspiracies on both sides of the proverbial aisle, the animosity feels like it has grown from the typical levels of quasi-performative sports hate to IRL venom, where if a guy wearing scarlet and gray encounters a Michigan man in a dark alley, I would be hard-pressed to imagine that either emerges unscathed. On every level of this game, there is something on the line, which only makes this rivalry even more intense than I believe it ever has been before. All right, let's get back to the regularly scheduled tailgate podcast discussion points. This past Tuesday, the top three of the college football playoff rankings remained the same, with the Georgia Bulldogs still atop with the Buckeyes at number two and the Corn and Blue in third. There was movement in the two major polls last week after the Mitten men struggled with Maryland. Ohio State jumped their rivals to take over the number two spot in both the AP and coaches poll with one first place vote from both the media and the coaches. That team up north dropped back to third in both polls and is receiving a single first place vote in the coaches poll. The Buckeyes and the Cheating Cheaters of Ann Arbor are tied at 8-0 in conference on top of the Big Ten East. Obviously, the winner of today's rivalry game will represent the East in the Big Ten championship game. On the other side of the Big Ten, Iowa has wrapped up its regular season with an absolutely thrillifying 13-10 win over Nebraska yesterday and will be the Big Ten West sacrifice, I mean representative, in next week's Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis. When DraftKings Sportsbook released its initial odds for the matchup on Sunday, OSU was a four-point underdog. But since then, there has been a little movement down to three and a half points, essentially meaning that the odds makers view this as a pick'em if the game were to be played on a neutral site, as home teams usually get roughly three to three and a half points for home field advantage. The over-under line currently sits at 46.5, which means that the bookmakers are projecting a score in the neighborhood of 25-22 to 22 in favor of the Meerkats. 
The Buckeyes money line is plus 142, while the team up north is at negative 170. Meaning that if you bet $100 on Ohio State to win straight up and they do pull off the road upset, you would profit 142 bucks. However, if you want to win $100 by picking the cheaters to win, which why would you do that? You will have to bet $170. DraftKings has a number of interesting game and player props that might interest you, but the one to me that I think is really compelling is the fact that they have Kyle McCord's passing total at 237.5 yards and Muskrat QB JJ McCarthy going for 201.5. Of note, McCarthy has had less than that total the last two weeks combined. He had exactly 201 yards between the Penn State and Maryland games. Both signal callers are projected at one and a half touchdowns. I would certainly take the over for Kyle McCord. Some of the other fun props include what I think is a steal of the day. DraftKings is giving plus 105 odds for OSU to have the longest TD of the game, as opposed to the home team's negative 145. Considering that the Buckeyes have only allowed one 40-plus yard play all season, and it was on a faux fumble ruski against Rutgers, I feel pretty good about the Buckeyes' chances to keep the mitten men from having major plays, even though that is how they won last year. And then on offense, the Buckeyes are tied for 13th this season nationally with nine plays of 50 plus yards. The Skunk Bears have only three. Of course, Ohio State's ability to score on big plays will be dictated by what guys are able to be on the field. While we will get an official injury report as mandated by the Big Ten, no later than 10 a.m. today, we do have a pretty decent idea as to where the Ohio State roster sits. Outside of the long-term injuries to running back Mayan Williams and safety Lathan Ransom, Ohio State is expected to essentially have its full complement of players. The status of backup quarterback Devin Brown, who could prove important in short yardage, is still unknown, but he has been working his way back to the field in recent weeks. Linebacker Tommy Eichenberg and defensive tackle Mike Hall Jr. are both expected to be available for OSU, as they will be very important in the middle of the Buckeye defense against the run-focused Harboys offense. For the Buckeyes' rivals, leading wide receiver Roman Wilson, who was injured last week against Maryland, is expected to be back, and Sharon Moore is optimistic that he will have offensive tackles Ladarius Henderson and Miles Hinton back. The tackles have been an area of concern for the fighting Hugh Jackmans, so any disruption in that lineup could be huge for OSU's defensive front. Starting quarterback J.J. McCarthy has also been dealing with some sort of leg injury that he suffered against Penn State. It severely limited his ability to scramble against Maryland last week, and without that added dimension to his game, he becomes a much different quarterback. J.T. Tuimaloau and Jack Sawyer have been very good at setting the edge this season, and if they are able to keep the quarterback contained, I think that makes it very difficult for McCarthy to be able to do what he does best. As you undoubtedly know, especially because I mentioned it earlier, that team up north is 11-0 this season, but their production and efficiency has seemed a bit different following the revelations that they might have been cheating for the past two seasons, especially as they were outplayed by Maryland last week, aside from the fact that the Terps essentially gifted them 16 points. Over the past two games, McCarthy has thrown for a combined 201 yards, as I mentioned earlier, and hasn't thrown a touchdown in over a month. He was 7 for 8 for 60 yards in the first half against Penn State, but officially did not attempt to pass in the second half. And while you can explain that away by saying that they didn't need him to beat the offensively challenged Nits, he was only 12 for 23 last week against Maryland for 141 yards and a pick. Not exactly the work of someone who Harbaugh has described as being in the same stratosphere as Andrew Luck and Tom Brady. 
On offense, the home team is 55th nationally with 399.6 yards per game, but 11th in points per game at 38.3. The discrepancy between the rankings there has to do with the fact that because their defense is so good, the corner blue has been fortunate enough to work on short fields for much of the season against severely undermanned competition. Despite the reputation that Screech Powers' cousin has attempted to cultivate as head coach, the winged helmet wingnuts are only 50th nationally in rushing yards per game at 171. But unsurprisingly, this is a defensive-led team. The Corn and Blue lead the country, allowing only 234.8 yards per game and just 9 points per contest. OSU is third, allowing 252.8 yards and second in points per game at 9.3. Interestingly, the Buckeyes and their rivals have near-identical pass defenses, at least in terms of yards per game. OSU is number one nationally at 144.3 yards per game, while the Pompous Princes are just a half yard behind. In the Ann Arbor Astros' favor, though, they are seventh nationally with 14 INTs, twice as many as the Buckeyes have. As you very well might know, the Nervous Chickens are the only Big Ten squad that holds a winning record over the Buckeyes. All time, they lead the rivalry with a record of 60-51-6. However, since Woody Hayes took over the Buckeye program in 1951, they are 29-40-2. Furthermore, since Jim Trestle became the coach in 2001, that team up north is just 4-17. OSU is 51-49-4 against that team up north in Big Ten Conference games, and the striped Polecats are still 2-5 against Ohio State since the Michiganiest man took over his alma mater. But in six months' time, those two wins very well might be erased. And while I normally don't put a lot of stock into vacated games, considering, one, this had to do with actual on-field cheating, and two, it's our rival, I will be using this as a talking point for decades to come if the NCAA does follow through. Today's home team has only won four times this century, and of course, two of those were while they were cheating. So if you exclude those tainted victories, they have not won in the series since 2011. Okay, after a quick break, we will continue today's episode by diving into the game's advanced analytics, the rest of the day's marquee college football schedule, spoiler alert, there aren't really any other marquee college football games on the schedule today, as well as my predictions for what will happen in the game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
Welcome back. Okay, let's take a look at the advanced analytics for today's matchup. According to the gold standard college football analytics rating system, SP Plus from ESPN's Bill Connolly, the Buckeyes are the number three team in the country with the number 19 offense and the number one defense. The Minton State Weasels are number one according to SP Plus with the number six offense and number two defense. However, Connolly did note this week that Harbizzle's team has been underperforming SP Plus expectations by nearly a touchdown since the fact that they have been using ill-gotten signs a month ago. Conversely, and as I have been telling you on the podcast not only for this season but for years, the Buckeyes are routinely overperforming SP Plus and they have done so pretty much in every game this season. Connolly's model projects today's home team to win by a score of 26 to 20, which would be a cover for the Bastard Badgers in just barely and under if you are using SP Plus for betting purposes. Connolly's model gives the corn and blue a 64% win probability. ESPN's Football Power Index, a different analytic system from the worldwide leader than Connolly's SP Plus, has this game as a matchup of the top two teams in the country. OSU is number one, while their rivals are number two. The Buckeyes have the best chance to win the national title at 26.1%, while the Skunk Bears are in third at 198 However, by sorting through some of the FPI metrics because they don't actually give head-to-head probability, the system actually favors the fighting Timons in this game, 54.5% to 45.5%, but Ohio State actually has a much higher chance to make the CFP at 77.1% to 61.5%, thanks presumably to a better chance to make it if they lose the game, thanks to their road win over Notre Dame. Either that or FPI is factoring in a potential unforeseen postseason ban for that team up north's diabolical cheating ring. The analytical model from friends of the show The College Football Nerds projects a final score of 23.9 to 17.1 in favor of the team currently being investigated by the NCAA for multiple violations, but they favor the Buckeyes in yards per play and passing yards per attempt, while the Muskrats hold a .4 yards per carry advantage. However, as Josh from the CFB Nerds explained when I chatted with him on the podcast earlier this week, the model is throwing up a ton of red flags surrounding the Mittenmen. The Buckeyes' consistency score, which measures how much variance there is between what has actually happened on the field and what the model has projected, is at a really solid 87.05. However, for those sign-stealing scoundrels, it is only at 23.71, which puts a whole lot of grains of salt in the mix for this one. So much so, in fact, that both Josh and Daniel, both of the college football nerds, are actually picking Ohio State to win and going against their model. Josh went with OSU 24, that team up north 21, while Daniel picked the Buckeyes to win 27-17. Okay, finally, the most fun predictions model that we look at every week. The NCAA Game Simulator spits out an average score of 24.1 points for the Buckeyes, to 21.7 for that team up north, thanks to a whopping 11,434 simulations as of recording time. The simulator shows that 25.6% of the simulated games were decided by less than 5 points, and 3.8% went to overtime. The model had Ohio State winning 56.4% of the time and winning by more than 20 points in 13.5% of the games. Conversely, they had the corn and blue winning by more than 20 points in just 7.7% of the over 11,000 sims. Now, before I get into the prediction for the game, I want to run through the rest of the day's major action, and there really just isn't a ton. There were some pretty decent games on Friday, thanks to the Thanksgiving holiday earlier this week. So it is a fairly thin slate. This might be a good time for you to go out and rake some leaves or see a movie or do something else. Of course, all game times that I mention are Columbus time. 
There's nothing really else of note in this early noon window unless you want to see Jaden Daniels' continuous quest for the Heisman Trophy as his number 14 LSU Tigers host the now head coachless Texas A&M Aggies on ESPN. At 3.30, I guess you could watch the Iron Bowl on CBS, but why you would want to subject yourself to an absolute ass-kicking by Alabama over Auburn, I'm not sure. At 4, over on Fox, the only other potentially compelling afternoon game with actual playoff implications is the Apple Cup, as number 4 Washington hosts Washington State. Then at 7 on ESPN, we will get a look at what number 5 Florida State looks like without Jordan Travis, as the Seminoles fight to keep their CFP hopes alive against rival Florida. Those are the only games of any sort of interesting storylines today. Of course, there's always the chance that something pops off and is far more entertaining and exciting than we anticipate. But in terms of games that actually mean anything, it might be slim pickings after our nooner. Okay, back to the Buckeyes. In the spirit of full disclosure, I cannot imagine a situation in which I would ever actually pick against Ohio State in this game, barring a complete program implosion that I just can't imagine happening without significant scandal and NCAA penalties. However, I am coming to this game with a surprisingly low level of stress. Ever since the Notre Dame game, I have had this feeling that this season had the makings of not only a special one, but a historic one for the Buckeyes as well. While the teams are different and a lot of the circumstances are not the same, this team just simply reminds me of the 2002 National Championship team. Far from perfect, they've always seemed a year ahead of championship contention, but when the chips are down, they have found a way to come through. And while they are far from a finished product, there's been market improvement as the season has gone on, and the way that head coach Ryan Day has managed this season makes me feel that he has finally understood what it means to be Ohio State's head coach. While winning games by 40 or 50 points is always fun, none of that matters if you aren't prepared for the end of the season. In years past, the rivalry game and the college football playoff have shown a damning magnifying glass on the inadequacies of his squads. However, with the way that he has managed injuries, evolved his play calling on offense, as well as how Jim Knowles has adapted his scheme on defense, it just feels like all of the puzzle pieces are finally fitting together. While the jigsaw won't be complete until Ryan Day is hoisting a very shiny trophy on January 8th, a win today would feel like not only has the program pieced together the ever-important edge pieces, but has finally filled in the most difficult-to-identify pieces in the center of the puzzle as well. This is not a team that is as dominant offensively as what we have seen under Ryan Day thus far, and Kyle McCord is not, and likely never will be, in the same league as Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, and C.J. Stroud, perhaps not even at the same level as J.T. Barrett. But that's okay. The defense in the second year under coordinator Jim Knowles appears more than capable of picking up that slack. The thing that plagued OSU last season was a penchant for giving up big plays, something that team up north took significant advantage of last season, scoring five touchdowns of 45 yards or more, including one of 75 and one of 85 yards. But the Buckeyes just don't do that anymore. Ohio State is the only team in the country to give up only a single 40-plus yard play this season, the Fumble I mentioned earlier to Rutgers, and one of only three schools that hasn't allowed a play of more than 50 yards all year. So without the ability to hit back-breaking big plays, I struggle to see how Harbaugh's squad is going to score on OSU. Sure, they will likely move the ball to certain degrees, but if McCarthy isn't able to extend plays with his legs or even escape the pocket and pick up yards on the ground, I think the Buckeyes have a significant advantage here. On the other side of the ball, OSU will be going up against the best defense that it has faced all season. There is no question about that. 
But with the emergence of a now healthy Travion Henderson and the return to form for both Emeka Ibuka and Cade Stover, I think that there are plenty of weapons for the Buckeyes to put up points. Of course, much will have to do with whether or not Ohio State can convert on offense in the red zone and whether the offensive line can keep the pocket clean for Kyle McCord. That team up north leads the country in defensive red zone touchdown percentage, but has struggled in the last two weeks. Penn State and Maryland combined to go 7-for-7 seven seven in the red zone, scoring every time they got inside the 20. Does that have to do with the fact that the Corn and Blue no longer know the signs of their opponents? I don't know. You tell me. I guess we'll see this afternoon. I also expect that Ryan Day, Brian Hartline, and Justin Fry will come up with some creative ways to keep the pass rush off balance, whether that is by mixing in the run on blitzing downs, moving the pocket, or keeping an extra tight end or running back end in to help. I don't know. But if they are able to do that, McCord has been one of the best passers in the country this season when he isn't pressured. So if you give him time, there's no doubt in my mind that he'll be able to find Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, Cade Stover, Travion Henderson out of the backfield, and maybe even other guys like Julian Fleming, Carnell Tate, G. Scott Jr., and more. Ultimately, I think that the OSU defense bends a bit, perhaps even by design to not give up those big plays like we saw last year, but doesn't often break, holding their rivals to field goals far more often than Sharon Moore would like. I do think that McCarthy will be under 150 yards passing in running backs Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, despite over 45 combined carries, will go for less than that total as well, meaning that the home team will struggle to eclipse 300 yards of total offense. When the Buckeyes have the ball, I do think that they will have just too much firepower for a good, but not nearly as good as the last two years, defense. McCord will throw for a modest but well-timed 225 yards and a pair of touchdowns, while Henderson will go for 150 all-purpose yards. Marvin Harrison Jr. will be the focus of the Corn and Blue defense, but will still eclipse 120 yards and have a pair of scores. Notice I didn't say two receiving touchdowns because I think he could get one on the ground as well. So, I am going to go 31-17 in favor of the Buckeyes, and finally, all will be right with the world. All right, that's all we have for you today. As always, Lane Grant will have you covered before, during, and after the game. I will be mashing buttons on Twitter during the contest, so please follow and share your thoughts at LandGrant33, your home for all of Land Grant's Ohio State news, analysis, and sarcasm. You can also follow me personally at BWWMAT. And if you are not already, please subscribe to Land Grant's One of a Kind Podcast Network wherever you get your daily dose of audio goodness, whether that is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. So, with all of that out of the way, Thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.